When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Supreme Resort Land V World, a podcast about Disneyland and Walt Disney World, and which is the Supreme Resort. Each episode, we will discuss and explore each resort, ride by ride, land by land, park by park, to determine which is better. I'm your host, Jimmy, and thank you for joining me on this quest to help the greater good of humanity answer this long, elusive question, which is better, Disneyland or Walt Disney World? Joining me, as always, is Eric. Hello, Eric. Hey, I I don't normally get introduced first. This is great. (laughs) It's alphabetical, (laughs) uh, except today, uh, because Dan is on assignment uh, at Disneyland. But in his place, we're thrilled to welcome author of at least five books that deep dive into history, facts and secrets about Disney and his beloved theme parks. These include the Walt Disney World that never was Disney Backstories, Volume one and two. Walt Disney World Attraction Guide 2021. I bet that was fun to write. And the book we will be discussing today, A Magical Half-Century Stories Celebrating Walt Disney World's First 50 Years. Please welcome Chris Smith. Welcome, Chris. Hey, guys. Thanks so much. It's great to be with you. And it's funny you made a comment about the Attraction Guide because when I first started that book a few years ago, I thought it was going to be easy. You know, just every year you just update a couple of things. Well, Disney has completely changed everything over the last couple of years. So I kind of wish I never started it (laughs) in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like the unofficial guide, you know, that's just a whole team of people in order just to keep up from year to year. So, um, all right. Uh, sorry. So, and I have it as Christopher E. Smith specifically because Chris Smith, an author, is also taken by another man named Chris Smith, right? Yes. I mean, obviously, I've got one of the most common names that anyone can can possibly have. And so, uh, you know, you know, as an attorney, you know, I, I learned early on to go Christopher E. Smith. What's What's interesting though is is I unfortunately realized that there's another Christopher E. Smith author who's an attorney who writes legal books, and so. I get messages oh, all the time. Oh man, th- thinking I'm that person. So you know, it, it, you know, I have to tell them no. I'm I'm the Disney guy, but you know, also an attorney. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> you mentioned you're an you're an attorney by trade. Um, my brother's an attorney. Do you know each other? <laughs> that is like the questions I get from my family. You know, I do corporate <laughs> and securities work, but they think that every area of the law. I am an expert on. And so I get calls right. about everything. So that's, you know, I have to explain to them, listen, you don't go to a foot doctor for brain surgery. So you know, <laughs> same kind of thing applies to us, but that's right. It never exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was telling um, Eric and Dan via a chat that reading your book, uh, specifically a magical half century is like, it's like reading a written transcript of our podcast, like the level of detail. There's a full, like, the full transcript of Carousel of Progress, the full transcript of Rise of the Resistance. You've got like every – Eric, I don't know if you remember this, but like every 
plaque, every saying in the in the American Adventure. Like, is, oh, this, yeah. this is our podcast. This is what we do, <laughs> except for we do it <laughs> in audio form. So I was I was thrilled to see that you were definitely one of us. And uh, yeah. That, that, so um, what was the inspiration? Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that's great to hear because, you know, you wonder when you start, you know, all, all the work that goes into putting together a book like that and, and some of my other books, you know, you think, am I crazy? Am I crazy for backing up a line in the queue for 30 minutes so I can take 10 pictures of this box and explain what the these words mean? So it's it's great to get the, the feedback from, from guys like you who, hey, there are a few crazy Disney nuts out there who appreciate that type of detail. It's true. And you know, I do you say that because we did an episode about Monsters Inc. Um, laugh or no, not laugh, laugh for the Mike and Sully to the rescue at California Adventure. And I remember I spent about ninety minutes watching the Q video to write down every detail that I saw on every poster and everything. So I, I'm right there with you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what was your inspiration for doing this? Like what you what got you started with writing these books? I think really it just kind of starts with a, with a love for Disney. Um, you know, I, I grew up, I'm, I'm about to be 45. So I, you know, I grew up, you know, in the eighties and nineties. And, uh, from the very beginning, I was a Disney channel kid, right? You know, I, my, my dad had one of those monstrous satellite dish receivers in our yard. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever that I got to watch, you know, Disney movies and, and cartoons and shows all the time. Well, when I was seven, I got to take my first trip to Walt Disney world and, you know, people think I joke when I say this, but man, it was it was really an event that completely changed my life because as as a as a small kid from a very small town in, in, in rural Alabama, getting to step inside, you know, these lands and be immersed by all of these things where it made you feel like anything was possible. And and these stories and these movies that you saw, you got to kind of be a part of those. It was just a a a really important, you know, trip for me. And that just kind of, you know, just grew and grew and grew like I'm sure it did for for you guys over the years. You know, the, the more trips I took, uh, you know, the more I started really digging into, you know, more than just the rides and just the restaurants and just the, the shops and wanting to learn more about the history of the parks. And, um, you know, my wife probably wishes that I never took that first trip because it, it kind of fueled this obsession, you know, uh, so many years later. <laughs> And uh, yeah. had the idea, you know, I, like, you know, as you guys know, I'm an attorney uh, and, you know, just really thought for a long time, hey, what if I wrote a book about Disney? That, you know, that, that would be fun. It'd be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and had a had an idea <laughs> for a topic that really I thought was extremely interesting. You know, the Walt Disney World that never was. So stories about different mm-hmm. attractions and lands that never came to be that. Yeah. Was like, Man, this is a great topic. This is the type of stuff that I talk to my friends about. Mm-hmm. And and it really hadn't been covered out there in kind of one one source. Uh, and so I really dove in, spent a couple of years researching, writing, and and I'll just tell you, you know, um, one of the things I'm good at is stating the obvious. And uh, you know, writing a book is hard. <laughs> it is way harder than I ever thought it could be. Uh, but was able to do that and and put it out there, and just got an overwhelmingly positive reception from that book. And, uh, that just, that was all the justification I needed to, to, to dive into to further topics. And, and, and I'm sure as you can pick up on from my book titles, I love history and I love Disney. And so a lot of the things that I do combine those two things, because the history of the Disney parks, you know, both Disneyland and, and Walt Disney world, which I primarily focus on 
is just fascinating. You know, so many incredible stories. Um, and so, you know, several years later, uh, you know, many books have been out there, many more in process and, and certainly have, have, have no intentions of, of slowing down anytime soon. Well, that's great to hear. And yeah, it, it's, it is pretty remarkable. I, I remember even in, um, in this book, uh, reading about the Sleepy Hollow and Sleepy Hollow's relationship with Disney World and, remembering when we recorded the Liberty Square versus New Orleans Square episode and just being absolutely riveted with the 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 hollow, Sleepy Hollow Snacks is modeled after the author's house and across the street with the piano shop you know music lessons by Ichabod Crane all that stuff was just absolutely fascinating so that's that's how your book starts and I'm like <laughs> this guy gets it I love this man <laughs> well you know there's there's you know I think we'd, we would all agree that, man, Disney World, Walt Disney World and, and Disneyland and really the Disney parks across the globe, I would say, you know, those parks are just different than than other amusement park offerings. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason one of the reasons it's different is it creates an emotional connection. I mean, I think all three of us, it's safe to say, have very strong emotional connections to the parks. And and, you know, for me, you know, that that Legend of Sleepy Hollow chapter was was really kind of a passion project for me because one of my favorite uh you know film i'll I'll call it a film but uh, a segment from a film you know the the adventures of ichabod and mr toad and specifically the the legend of sleepy hollow portion of that you know since i was a kid watching the disney channel i've loved it right and and every time i watch that film it takes me back to my childhood much in the same way that visiting the parks do also and so when i started looking into that and realizing how significant of an impact this small segment of a package film has had on the on the on the Magic Kingdom as a whole? It was just fascinating, and 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 helped me. I didn't even really know mm-hmm. how much of an impact it had until I started doing the research and writing. And all of a sudden, it, you know, I was like, man, this 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 small piece of film has had more of an impact, in my opinion, on on the Magic Kingdom and really Walt Disney World as a whole. Than blockbusters like Mary Poppins and Alice in Wonderland, right? And and, oh, yeah. and it's just really cool to think about that. Yeah, and isn't it interesting that if not for Mary Poppins, I'm changing the subject a little, but if not for Mary Poppins, Disney World doesn't exist. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's it, little to no homage paid, and it's really surprising. It it is really you know Mary Poppins is one of my favorite films. I still watch it with my kids today. Uh, just just mm-hmm. a beautiful beautiful film, and uh, you know. If if I'm playing armchair imagineer like I always do, uh, I just can't figure out why there's not something there to honor that film. And and I'm sure you guys, you know, there's always been the announcements and the rumors about mm-hmm. additions to Epcot, right. uh, the United Kingdom Pavilion, getting something, you know, more than the little the little tributes that are that are kind of hidden there, um, and we just don't get. It. And, I, and I think that's a shame. And I really wish 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 that we would. Uh, but you know, we can, you you don't want me to going down a rabbit hole, but one of the, one of the bigger topics I cover in my book are intellectual properties. Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, Disney's a company, they want people coming through the turnstiles and spending money. And so I don't think the Mary Poppins IP, even though there was a, a, a remake in recent years, you know, moves the needle enough to justify the cost and expense to do that. But I keep, I keep crossing my fingers and hoping that I'm, that I'm wrong. Yeah. So on that point of IP, you mentioned there's more IP than you think at the opening of the park. 
And and my argument has been for the better part of several years is that, I mean, you think about opening day at Disneyland, every IP that they had was in the park. The only reason you have an original attraction like Pirates and whatnot is because they just didn't have that IP available. And so when they're bringing IP into the park, it's like they've always done it. They just have a lot more of it now. And and yeah, original ideas are great. Yeah. But it, anyway, what's your stance on that? Yeah. So, you know, it kind of it's really interesting to me that this is such a hot topic. And it is, and is, and it surprises me that it's one that Disney fans, including close friends of mine, get really upset about uh, because they think that you know basing new attractions on intellectual properties is somehow you know slacking, is somehow not doing the full imagineering work and creativity that we've seen in the past. But as you mentioned, you know, from day one, uh, you know, October first, nineteen seventy one. You know, approximately half of the attractions in the Magic Kingdom, which was the only park at the time, were based on IPs, right? I mean, you had Fantasyland, right. where where Disney films come to life. You had Frontierland with Davy Crockett, you know, uh, you know, tributes and references. Uh, you know, it was it was you know very impactful even then. I think part of the reason that 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 most Disney fans think that IP usage is 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 so much greater now is they tend to not want to think of classic Disney films like Cinderella and Peter Pan mm. as being intellectual properties, right? And and and, and you know intellectual property cuz they're in the zeitgeist. Yeah, absolutely, but it's it's an existing film or television franchise that they pulled to represent there in the parks. Uh and 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 my position is I just want really good attractions. I just want really good stuff. And Of course, yeah. Yeah, I mean so if they if it's based on an IP, I will love it. If it's based on something completely new, not based on IP, I will love it, and and I don't really care otherwise. But the reality is, for a lot of reasons that I go into in my book, uh, just get used to intellectual properties because there are a lot of business reasons, risk mitigation when you're spending millions and millions of dollars building an attraction, uh, you know, using the resources that the company has spent billions of dollars to acquire all these different IP franchises, you're just going to have them. And and I think it's better to just kind of take a step back, take a deep breath, you know, and, and focus more on the quality of the attraction as opposed to whether or not it's based on an IP. Right. And, and maybe this may sound like a stupid statement, but just to buttress what you're saying, if you think about um, sponsorships, right? So, so many attractions needed sponsorships to fund, like uh, Test Track, right? For example, you have uh, General Motors, you know, now Chevrolet. But in the future, because the the company has so much money, it could be sponsored by the movie cars. You know what I mean? Like right. you could theme it to that, and it's sponsored by the the studio because you don't need that outside right. support anymore, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um. Okay, so um, yeah, so what is your relationship with Disneyland? So I've been to Disneyland a total of three times. Uh, so not nearly as 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 well versed there as I am in Disney World. I've been to Walt Disney World hundreds upon hundreds of times. Um, made my first trip to Disneyland over a decade ago, uh, and my most recent trip was three years ago. And uh, and I really, it's one of those things where you know I. I I want to try to get out there much more than I do because I think there's a there's a heart and soul to that park that especially Disneyland that is just I think unique as compared to Walt Disney World. Not saying that Walt Disney World isn't doesn't have heart and soul, but there's just something much more intimate 
and just the thought of man, Walt Disney walked these streets. Um, and so mm-hmm. certainly, certainly love, love Disneyland. And it is on my priority list to get back out there. My problem is, is when I have, you know, I've got about 10 books in process. And so I, I justify all these research trips to, to, to Florida. Uh, what I need to do is, is find a Disneyland topic so I can, I can justify more trips uh, to the, to the West coast. <laughs> yeah. Good luck finding an original Disneyland topic that hasn't been written about, but it's interesting <laughs> that the uh, Disneyland fans and just an observer, you know, I, I grew up at Disneyland. I worked there. I now sort of grow my second half of my life is at Disney world. So I'm legitimately trying to figure out which is better. And I, I think ultimately the answer is it depends on what you're trying to do, but it was interesting that you first time going to Disneyland could feel that so sort of feel that history and nostalgia. Um, because as, as people famously call it, it's the world's most famous regional theme park. And yeah, it's just, it's, it, the intimacy is really, is really interesting, but, but yeah, that was one of the things about the podcast we can't use Walt touched it as a reason why this thing is better because the casual fan doesn't know or doesn't care. Right. Right. And I think when you start, when you start having debates like that, I mean, they're a lot of fun, but I think you hit the nail on the head. It all depends on kind of what you're talking about. Right. I mean, if, if you're wanting to go, if a, fa- if a family or, or, or group is wanting to go for a trip and just hit as many different attractions as they can, well, obviously Walt Disney World is going to be the choice because there's just a lot more parks and stuff to do. But uh, but what Disneyland does, they do it extremely well, uh, especially with some of the things that they've they've, they've done recently. And uh, for me, you know, if, if I'm asked to pick a favorite, of course, I'm going to pick Walt Disney World because it's the place I've been to the most. Uh, but, right. you know, oh, yeah. uh, I, I think the right answer is both, <laughs> you know, or how about Tokyo? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. <laughs> That, that's a whole other podcast, my friend. But um, so speaking of that, and, and this sort of I, I found this today and I think you would appreciate it because I think it this would effectively potentially be in one of your future books. And maybe this is the idea for your Disneyland book. Um, I I have a new appreciation for the Avengers campus. Like when we went there, been there a couple of times. The Pim Test Kitchen is cool. Um, it's just real loud. It's kind of there's not a lot going on. Um, but I found that there's some really interesting detail, just like Imagineering always does, that I just didn't see. There's there's a wall. Now, obviously, this land used to be um, Howard Stark's like motor company. It was like a whole complex of, of machinery and, and factories and stuff that's been taken over by Tony and made an Avengers campus. So there's a wall that has a big mural. I think Spider-Man comes and does meet and greets. It turns out Miles Morales painted that mural, who's, you know, become oh, wow. Spider-Man and... Um, and then there are three trees against a different wall. It's a brick wall, two trees on either side of this main massive tree in the middle. I mean, it's significantly larger. Behind that tree is a cow tongue, which is like a term used for drainage on the side of a building. It's like a spout coming out. And there's green ooze coming out of it and a sign above that says danger gamma radiation. So that massive oh, tree man. that just happened to be planted there has been given a story that it's bigger because it got gamma radiation. And then there's like in the Pim Test Kitchen, uh, in the condiment section in the corner, there's a giant ketchup and a giant mustard that clearly Pim particles have affected, made it a lot bigger. And those ketchup and mustard bottles are from Bountiful Valley Farms, which oh, was great. <laughs> and it says established 2001. And Eric, or sorry, Chris, if you didn't know, Bountiful Valley Farms was that part of the park 
when it opened in 2001. And, um, and then what else? The, the soda, the soda machine, there's giant soda cans with all the, the spouts coming into the soda machine. And they have these, uh, you know, like sandwich bag clips, like you get on a, uh, like on a bag of buns or whatever, those little plastic clips on it. So an expiration date usually. And the one on the left is April 6th, which is, uh, Paul Rudd's birthday. And the one on the right is August 5th, which is Evangeline Lilly's birthday. Like that stuff just, that's, that's why I do this. <laughs> hey man, that, that literally when, when you're describing that stuff, it gets me kind of fire. I mean, th- that's the stuff I love. And, and that is the stuff that right. makes me passionate about the Disney parks and the things within those parks, especially I, I did not know what the bountiful, I think you said bountiful Valley, what that reference was. But those are the type of things that I love the most um, is paying homage to the things that came before, you know, the original history of the parks. Love that stuff in Walt Disney World and and obviously love that that you just described in Disneyland because, you know, what what I love about the most is, you know, most people, I would say most even Disney fanatics who visit the parks a lot will never notice that. They will never pick up on that. Right. you know, the Imagineers did that to pay homage to what came before and honor that history. And I just think there's nothing better than that. And man, let me just tell you, gamma radiation le- leaking out of the, I mean, that's just a home run. Absolutely. And <laughs> and that's really, like, um, yeah, totally. And and that's kind of what this podcast is at the end of the day is, is that it's, it's going into the historical detail of where this thing came from and the origins by each land, by each ride. But so much of what we do in the research is just that, like, did you know that in the queue for the little mermaid is a carved Nautilus in the side of the rock? Because that's where that ride used to be. And you know, that happens all the time. I don't have to tell you the details, you know, all about it. Um, so, so the stories in, in the, um, the magical half century, the, this is not a book about the 50th anniversary. It is a book of 50 years leading up to, and what made you choose those particular stories? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I, I had decided you know, about four or five years ago uh, that, you know, I, I think we've all been looking or had looked to October the 1st of of this past year, this 50th anniversary as a just a huge red letter date. And I knew I wanted to do something special for, you know, just kind of, you know, not a love letter, but, you know, my my kind of tribute to 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 50 years of Walt Disney World. And so started brainstorming about, you know, what what's the best way to do that? And of course, my knee jerk reaction was, I'm going to do this huge historical dive on all 50 years of, of, of Walt Disney World history. Well, I mean, you know, you know, aside from having like an 80 volume set, you know, that, that I could never <laughs> complete, uh, I made the decision that's that's not the best way to go. So I decided to just have fun, you know, do it in a way that I could really just honor the history of of, of Walt Disney World by virtue of just a lot of different fun, quirky stories. And, and that's what I did. And so I just started thinking of these, these, you know, some are just niche topics that nobody's ever heard of, like, you know, the legend of Sleepy Hollow connection or the history of alcohol in the magic kingdom, uh, weather veins, uh, which was, which was really cool. Uh, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of my deep attraction dives that I've become famous for my backstory series. I had to throw a few of those in there for, uh, for some attractions, and and most of all, just have fun with it. I, I I have I think I had the most fun riding 
a magical half century than I have any other book because of that. Right. I, I try not to take myself too seriously. I try not to come up with some <laughs> perfect plan for hitting, you know, all these different things. I just thought, what would be a fun story if, if you know, as, as a Disney fan, just like you guys, what's some of the stuff that I would like to read about? And that's how I picked it. And just kind of, you know, some topics would drop in and, and others would drop out and I move things around. But I am super happy with kind of the this this quirky, you know, scattershot uh, type approach to just these random stories that honor each of each or each of the parks uh, and, and 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 rolled with it. It was completely unlike any of my other books, which are very structured, very linear, mm. very, you know, ha- you know, a start and, and an end and, and, and kind of, you know, a, a method to the to the madness. And this one, I just said, hey, let's just have some fun and, and talk about some cool Walt Disney World stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's exactly what I did. Yeah, yeah it's, re- it's really good. It, it was great to see an anthology sort of uh, sort of approach like that, because I, the first book that I read of yours was was your first book. I just happened to pick it up. The Walt Disney World that w- never was. Then I heard you on uh, on the sweet spot, I believe talking about uh, the backstories series and I went, Oh, okay, let's uh, let's check those out. And yeah, those are your, those are very, very structured. Um, and, and I remember picking up the first book and thinking, okay, I I've, I've probably heard all of these stories before, but l- let's see what this guy has to say about it. And it was so you, you go into such different detail than I've seen in other places. Um, and that's what really kind of hooked me is there is that extra, that extra level. And this is before we were, we were doing this show. This is before I got involved with anything. Um, Disney really definitely a, a different approach um, with the new book to talk about a lot of these different, these different stories. And I think it was a great opportunity for you to kind of bring up a lot of stuff. And it, it feels like you had a lot more fun. Um, not that you didn't have fun with the other books, but <laughs> it feels like this was just, Hey, I can tell whatever stories I want here. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's right. And that was my approach. And I'm, and I'm sure you guys know this from my backstory series that, that's ongoing now, but I love writing those books. But man, you want to talk about a lot of work. I mean, it really is, <laughs> you know, and listen, go, I'm not, it's not like I'm going to the coal mine, right? I'm going to, to Walt Disney World and, right. and, and, and riding these rides over and over and walking these streets. But it is very, you know, labor intensive. And, and, and the volume I'm working on now is for the, for, for the studios. And uh, it just takes a lot of, it's just a heavy, a, a heavy lift. Uh, and, and I love doing it. But, you know, I kind of took a break from the the studio's backstories to to, to finish the, the the magical half century, and it was just a, a lot easier, a lot more fun. Just kind of sit back and let's tell a story. Mm, yeah. Versus, because uh, because I'll tell you guys this, you you probably know more than most. What I love about kind of these 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 storytelling details and the and the and the things that we all love is that man, there's just so many, and and even mm. for people like us who really you know, we, we go out of our way to try to find these different things. You know, what does this sign mean? And what does this box mean? And right. this, this doll in this window, why is, why is this there? Uh, you know, when you go there and are writing a book on it and you, and you do these things over and over and you publish the book and you think you've got everything and then you go back to the park and go figure, you know, you missed that. There was this little, there was this other book on the shelf that referenced this, that you didn't get. That's what drives me right. crazy, yeah. but that's also what I love about the Disney parks. Even, you know, quote unquote experts 
don't know it all because it's impossible to know it all and you get to learn something new each time you go. Yeah, what a fun hobby. And, and to your point, I've never tried to write a book. Uh, I think in a small way, every time we record a podcast, you know, we, we spend countless hours researching if we don't already know and we have it all documented. But we haven't gotten nearly as much content as one of your books, and we've been doing this for two years, so I can <laughs> understand. Uh, but by the way, th- this book here is kind of what you were talking about. It's called 50 Years of D- uh, Disney World Magic. It was sent to us by uh, – Eric will have to tell you who it was sent by. But what it is is every day, every day that the park's been open, what attraction opened, what attraction closed on a day-by-day, year-by-year. Like – just that kind of detail. Yeah, Tim Tim did a great job with that book with Celebrations Press. And Chris has written for Celebrations. Um, I've written for Celebrations. So that's kind of how some of this started, too, uh, this this conversation between all of us. Um, but yeah, th- that book was fantastic. I'm really impressed with what Tim put together there. Yeah, t- t- Tim is fantastic. He- he's been a-, a-, a good friend for a long time and, uh, you know, I- not ready to announce anything, but but Tim and I will, I think, by the end of the year, have a have a nice little project put out that, uh, that I think we'll be pretty proud of. But man, Tim, Tim is just the best uh, and-, and is great to work with. That's awesome. I had no idea there was a connection. That's very cool. Hey, uh, also, you mentioned um, that I think you've you've talked about this before in other podcasts and other appearances, but just for our listeners, if they didn't know, you live in a very special town as it relates to Disney. You want to share that with us? I, I, oh, I do. So, so um, I live in a a very small town of, of fifty eight people called Mooresville, Alabama, and uh, it is the oldest incorporated town in the state of Alabama, and you know, all the houses are you know you know pre-Civil War or, or, or immediately post-Civil War, you know, a lot of just really mm. cool history here. Um, it, and and just a little bit of Disney trivia nugget is that um, the Disney, the, 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 the somewhat underwhelming 1995 live action Disney film, Tom and Huck, uh, was filmed here because of kind of the, the, the historical appearance. JTT. That's right. That's right. And so... Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I work in, in, a, in Huntsville, Alabama, which is the largest city in the state. Uh, and, and Mooresville is about 20 minutes from there. But we, my wife and I decided we wanted to, to raise our kids like Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn and, and what better place to do it than, than in a place where it was filmed. And so a uh, very cool place. Uh, there you yeah. go. I was at uh, space camp a couple weeks ago. That's right. That's right. Yes. Space camp is, 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 is a wonderful experience and, uh, and it's probably what Huntsville is, is is most famous for, and I'm glad you got to you got to do that. I wish we could have we could have gotten together and 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 and, and had a drink and talked talked Disney crazy stuff. It, it would it would have been more than one drink. <laughs> Just knowing what I know about you now, it would have been <laughs> we'd still be there. Um, so the other thing. You'd mentioned that you like to run, and uh, I want to hear about your Run Disney experiences. My only experience, and then Eric can share his, was the Disney Disneyland Paris Half Marathon in uh, two years ago. I want to say, and that was, was your only Run Disney. My only ever, yeah. Oh, okay. That, that's kind of how I got into a lot of my uh, not my Disney doing doing things related to Disney before I was. You know, when I started getting into Run Disney, I was just reading books and and just gorging on all the Disney content out there. And then suddenly, after I started getting obsessed with Run Disney, um, my wife and I were doing 
oh, we got to get that coast to coast medal. Let's go to Disneyland for the first time. And that's when things really started to change for us is getting more involved once we um, got interested in that. So, yeah, it's been a well, I, I guess it's been a few years since most people have done a run Disney event. But <laughs> <laughs> but you'd said something about the, the dopey. Is that where you do every like the 5K, 10K, half and full marathon? Because that Oof. sounds pretty dopey. Yeah, that, that that's it. So I've 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 knocked out five dopies, uh, and actually this this past year was the first one I've had to miss uh, in a while. It drove me crazy that, that I had to do that. But you know, I, I was I will say I run, but I'm not a runner. You know, uh, I, I can cover mm-hmm. uh, a lot of distance, but I'm I'm no cheetah out there. But uh, that's what I love about the Run Disney events is they're so user friendly. They're so welcoming to people of all you know physical abilities and, and and it's just really a ton of fun and uh never thought that I would have done as many events down there as I have but it's now become you know a yearly tradition in January that we head down and and, and I do the dopey and uh the hardest part man is just the 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 getting up so early right I mean these run Disney events start mm-hmm. they start so early so you have to get up at like two o'clock two thirty in the morning oh, to yeah. get on a bus and go stay in a parking lot that can be freezing or or extremely hot depending upon the year uh and by that fourth morning by that fourth morning of the dopey i mean if you guys were to see me i mean you would think that i had you know a bottle of jack daniels and <laughs> you know uh, uh, and a cigar right before i met you because i, I look brutal but uh but it, it is a ton of fun there's just something about there's just something about running in the disney parks and i really don't do any races yeah, other than true. run disney races uh, i just do a lot of them and uh and it's become a, a nice, fun tradition, and uh, and I really enjoy it. I, I would encourage anybody who is even thinking about running any type of distance, um, you know, to, to give Run Disney a chance, right? You're going to get down there. They're very welcoming. The the average pace requirements are very generous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's it's a great thing if you're looking to get into running. It's a, it's a, it's a great thing to, to try. Yeah, it's a great yeah. motivator. And 16, a 16 minute mile is is very accessible to a lot of people. I think I agree. It's a great way to get involved and do something that's a little it, it seems like it can be, you know, it's it's a big accomplishment really to even complete a 5k if you've never done something like that before and to do it inside a disney park that's an amazing an an amazing incentive it's a great carrot to dangle in front of yourself like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do it i'm gonna get healthy enough to do this and uh yeah it's made a big difference in my life for sure yeah what i didn't understand when i ran it because i'm i'm not running to win any medals i knew i'm not going to my average race pace is between nine and nine and a half minutes and for 13 miles i'm like I'm not going to stand in line to take a picture <laughs> with this character over here. No, I got to go. It's got to end at some point. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I, for, for whatever reason, even though I've run a lot of these, I run about the same pace that you do. Um, and so there's really no risk. I'm not going to, I'm going to get swept because I'm not hitting this requirement, but I get this nervous energy that I think if I stand in line for a character that I'm going to get swept, that I'm not going to finish. You know, even oh, though yeah. it's like yeah, it's totally. mathematically, it's just not possible. So I just keep zooming by them and just can't, I cannot bring myself to stop. Yep. The only time I've ever taken a picture with, with a character was, um, at the last, the last race that was ever at a Disney, Disneyland park, the Avengers half marathon. 
Um, I was dressed as Doctor Strange and there was mm-hmm. no line and I took a picture next to Doctor Strange and I kept going. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I have that same that same exact feeling. <laughs> oh, I, I can't stop. I'm not even going to stop and take a selfie in front of, you know, Mickey's fun wheel. But like, <laughs> let's just <Yeah>. keep going. <laughs> um, all right. So moving on, um, I want to talk about uh I have you know like 14 pages of questions for you, but we need to get to the main topic. So, uh, but just a couple of rapid fires. But before I do, I ordered your book a couple of weeks ago and I got it two days later and the printing date was the day it shipped. Do you know anything about that? Is this yeah, like t-shirts so where you just custom print it? It is. So it's a print on demand, right? And so, you know, they, they queue okay. it up, they, they get the order, they print it. And when I first, when I talked to my uh, you know, my publisher about that process, it made me really nervous because I didn't want people ordering my book and getting it four months later. And it turned out to be the opposite. I mean, like you said, I mean, you order those things, they print it out, it's a great quality, and you have it within mm-hmm. a couple of days. So it's it's been, you know, it's been very user friendly. Yeah, that's got to be a great uh, revolution in the book printing business, right? We don't have to get this is the first edition, there's X number of copies. And now you got to wait six months till you get your next one. That's awesome. And if you listen to this podcast and you enjoy it, you will absolutely love these books. So by all means, find them, uh, read them. They're a great addition to your bookshelf. And um, what was, was I going to ask? Uh, what's the best way for people to buy your book? Sure. So, I mean, t- two super easy ways. Uh, uh, all my books are on Amazon. Um, uh, so you can just search me there or go to my website, Chris Smith Books, uh, and you can order them directly from, from the website also. Awesome. All right. Well, you're not you're not free of us yet unless you're done with us. But um, I just wanted to get that <laughs> hey man, plug I'll out go of the all way. Day. I'll go all day. So okay, great. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, real quick, rapid fire. What is the best ride at Walt Disney World? Oh man, you know, well, it changes on the day you ask me. Today, I would say Haunted Mansion, and the reason I say that is I think there are a handful of attractions, and Haunted Mansion is certainly one of those that are really just imaginary masterpieces. Everything from from story to music to architecture to characters. You know, they all combine to just make this 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 indescribable experience. And especially for the Haunted Mansion, like most of that attraction is the same as it was in 1971. And to still get a jaw dropping experience, I just think it's incredible. I think it's I think it's a case of, of Disney hitting a home run and doing what Disney does best. Eric, do you want to ask? Do I want to ask what? Which, Which one is, is better? better? <laughs> yeah. Well, that is the point of the show. Yeah. We, we, before I was on the show, one of, one of the more controversial, the most controversial episode we've done was, uh, <laughs> or you have done, I should say, was about which is better, Walt Disney World or Disneyland. Did you, it, you've been to Disneyland a few times, knowing the history. What do you think, Chris? Haunted uh, Mansion specifically. Haunted Mansion. Well, I mean, listen, I've, I've got to go with the Walt Disney World version, uh, you know, just because because I love it. But I will say this. I think I think I have to give the nod because Walt Disney World was was there on opening day, you know, instead of being advertised for a decade yeah. and never actually getting the attraction and having to stare at the facade <laughs> wanting to go in. That level of frustration, man, like I got to I got to give the nod to to, to Walt <laughs> Disney World's version. But I will say I love the I love the theming. 
I love the facade much more of the Disneyland version than the Walt Disney World version. That 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 New Orleans, that antebellum look. Love the Hudson River Valley architecture of of, of Walt Disney World's version. But man, there's something about that Disneyland mansion that uh, that just just is incredible. Yeah, and I think where we landed, it was again very controversial because most of our listeners are West Coast people, um, but. My point was that Disneyland's and Disney World's were developed at the same time. The animatronics were being built together. It's oh, yeah. <laughs> they're they're exactly the same rights. Yep. You can't give me nostalgia because they were built at the same yep. time. So anyway, um, all right. Next question. Um, favorite park at Walt Disney World? Easy Magic Kingdom, um, and it really just kind of goes back to that that original visit as a kid and. Uh, just mm-hmm. the, the ma- I mean, it's the magic kingdom, but it really is a magical place. If, 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 if you're having, you know, a bad day, a bad week, a bad year, and you're at Walt Disney world, I would encourage you to just sit on a bench in main street and watch the faces of families and specifically little kids. When they walk into that park, turn that corner and see Cinderella castle at the end of the street. Um, uh, it is just extremely powerful. Uh, not to mention, uh, far more attractions than any other park um, uh, at Walt Disney World. Uh, for me, it is without a doubt Magic Kingdom. If you were asking my wife, she would say Animal Kingdom. She she just loves that park. Uh, but for me, if, 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 if I can only yeah. visit one park, one park before I go, it's going to be Magic Kingdom. Um, so just taking a couple steps backwards, you'd mentioned you went to Disneyland for the first time and that sort of reveal of the castle is so impactful at the Magic Kingdom. Um what did you think walking into Disneyland? What was your first impression? I loved it. It was beautiful, but the stark difference in sizes of the castle, I knew, right? I, I knew because I, I'm a nerd oh, yeah. and I study this stuff. I, I knew the, the differences, you know, feet wise, but seeing it in person, I was like, wow, this is much different than, than what we have uh, at Walt Disney World. Uh, I mean, so it's no less impactful. You know, no less impactful from a from a you know wow this is this is great standpoint, but it was it was a bit um, it was a bit shocking and just Disneyland as, as a whole, I kind of felt like I was in Bizarro World, right? Because everything mm-hmm. seemed yeah. familiar, <laughs> but everything was so different. Right. I've been to Walt Disney World so many times before that, I just. <laughs> I was having a hard time just processing what I, what I was seeing. Yeah. I've been to both so many times. And, uh, before I move on from that, I think Tony Baxter said, uh, Disneyland hugs you while Disney world consumes you. I think that's a favorite quote, but anyway, um, so I've been to both, you know, maybe equal number of times. And I grew up first half of my life of one second half of my life of the other <clears throat> so far, I guess second half of my life. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm now vacation planning for fun with Concierge, who's our sponsor, and, and I'm talking to people about Disneyland, and I'm conflating the two. Like I'm like, we well, just go down Main Street, turn left at Casey's Corner. Wait a minute, uh, <laughs> like I just, it's so hard to keep track in your mind. Like like you said, you're walking down Main Street at Disneyland. Like that should that not that should be there. What? <laughs> anyway, I'm done. Um, <laughs> Favorite resort, favorite resort at Walt Disney World. What is the best resort? Like as in hotel? Man. Yes. Um, 
so my personal favorite is Wilderness Lodge. Um, I, I just love the rustic feel, the warmth. Um, yeah. And, and it's just very relaxing and very just, you know, you can, you can get away from the madness of the parks and feel like you are relaxing. But let me say this. And, and if you'd have asked me this, you know, you know, five, six years ago, uh, I would have, I would have never said this, but the contemporary. I never liked the look of the contemporary, uh, but staying with kids, being able to walk to the Magic Kingdom. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Whether you get a theme park view or a lake view, you know, wonderful views from the rooms. Uh, so I, I've really come around on the contemporary also. Yeah. And you, you'd mentioned uh, uh, hotels that are all in one building, which technically uh, Polynesian and Grand Floridian don't follow that. Right. Yeah. Or do you put I'm, that in the same category? No, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you something controversial here. Not a big fan of Grand Floridian or Polynesian for that reason. Um, you know, I, I like, hmm. I like, I like being able to stay in the. You know, if I'm going to go to 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 get a drink or go to the restaurants, I want to be in the same building, and uh, and just not. You know, my my family loves Polynesian. Uh, they, they love it much more than I do, but. Uh, but man, let's be honest. You stick me in any Disney resort, I'm going to love it and have a good time. Yep. Very true. You're here. You're here. <laughs> um, Your attention, please. <laughs> oh, my siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Oh, look at all the people. Okay, so we're going to talk about the the Walt Disney World 50th anniversary and the Disneyland 50th anniversary. So, Chris, feel free to pipe in at any point. Um, essentially, how this would normally go is we would make our arguments about which is better. But I think generally we accept that Disneyland does celebrations better. Um, but Walt Disney World's kind of pulled out all the stops for this one or tried to. Obviously, they were limited, but... Um, just wanted to share a little bit about what happened on for the listener to remind you what happened for the Disneyland 50th anniversary. This was sort of a this was a global thing. It was called the world's uh, what was it? The because uh, they always say the world's most magical something or other. But this one was called the happiest homecoming on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's a global event, including all the theme parks around the world and the Disney Cruise Line. Um, so there's this promotional DVD, and they they reminded us that uh, the castle's getting glittering jewels, golden accents, and banners. Uh, there was the Remember Dreams Come True fireworks that Julie Andrews narrated, and and like I remember watching this show, and I'm on Main Street, and the the audio quality, the surround sound, and they're playing like tracks from the attractions. It's wonderful. My favorite fireworks show at Disneyland ever. It's a great show. Yeah. Um, so Julie Andrews, you know, um, <laughs> and he says the, the announcer says it's a show so big. Only the sky can hold it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, they had Disney's parade of dreams, uh, the DCA Pixar block party bash. That was before Disney acquired Pixar. Um, 
and Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters was going to open 2005. Um, and it was a, a Walt Disney Pictures presentation of a Pixar Animation Studios film, Toy Story 2. Remember that when they used to have to... <laughs> Couldn't just say Disney Pixar. It was a Walt Disney Pictures presentation of a Pixar Animation <laughs> Studios film, Toy Story 2. That's what that ride's based on. Very complicated stuff That's back right. then, yeah. There was a newly designed Space Mountain, uh, the Disneyland exhibit, the fifth, first 50 magical years in the Lincoln Theater, where there was a, a thing by, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Steve Martin. Remember that? No, you didn't, because you didn't, weren't there yet. <laughs> right. Um that, then there was this collage thing. It was the happiest faces on earth. It was a picture collage of guests over the years in 30 displays representing Disney animation. So like there's a big mural of Little Mermaid, but Little Mermaid was made up of pictures of families vacationing at Disneyland for the previous 50 years. Was this was this the display where you could text in your own pictures throughout the day or was that a, a separate? I don't think I, I don't know if the technology was there yet, okay. but I'm not sure. Um, okay. So then, so that was the promotional video for the 50th. Then there was a rededication ceremony where Leanne rhymes saying, remember when I, I, you've heard this at the end of shows at Disney world, Chris, um, I'm not going to sing it for you, but, um, (laughs) but it's Leanne rhymes and it was written by Richard Marks, written by Richard Marks. And it so sounds like it, but it's that, you know, you know what I'm talking about, Eric and Chris, what, what show? What that song ends like a it closes out a show and I don't remember. I, I think I can I, I know I've heard the song. Um remember most likely on Spectrum. When. <laughs> that one. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. Anyway, so uh <laughs> the opening ceremony of the Disneyland 50th anniversary, which was not July 17th, I think it was in May. Um it was uh, it was opening ceremony. So Leanne Rimes sings her song and then Bob Iger, new CEO comes out and does a little kind of stiff speech. And then Art Linkletter comes out and does a thing. Oh, wow. you know, he was there on the first day. Um, and so the celebrations all around the world. So Tokyo Disneyland did something called rock around the mouse show. And it was set in California in the 1950s. Disney Sea unveiled Raging Spirits Roller Coaster, which was the first loop roller coaster to ever be at a Japan Disney theme park. Hong Kong Disneyland is going to open later that year. Disneyland Paris uh, released Space Mountain Mission 2, which, you know, that's lame because the first one was really good. Um, And then the Disney Cruise Line, they introduced Western U.S. Voyages, while Disney World imported Lucky the Dinosaur. And then also Lights, Motors, Action show was imported. Soren was imported from California, and they built Expedition Everest. So all th- you know, all the parks got into the love. And then after all that, then Eisner comes out and speaks. This is a couple years after he's retired, but he was a lot more charismatic than Iger at the time. But and then of course Christina Aguilera sings "Wish When You Wish Upon a Star." Julie Friggin Andrews, who's the official ambassador for the fiftieth, she does a speech. Alan Silvestri closes out with a musical tribute. And that's just a short summary of how Disneyland celebrated their 50th anniversary. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's all that's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I don't like Walt Disney World's chances, uh, you know, and, and we, you know, we can get into this. I was actually there for the actual 50th this year. Um, and, 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 you know, there were some really good things and, and some really disappointing things also. But 
that was a, that was a they went all in for Disneyland's 50th and uh, you know so I I don't like I don't like my home parks uh, chances at this point. <laughs> well, it it's just Disneyland just does a better job and here's why I think. It's because the people who are going there get that special nature of the park and its origins with Walt Disney. I mean, they give out pins every July 17th. You could go to Disney World on October 1st of any given year and they, I mean, you'd have to tell the cast members that it's their birthday. Um, you know, anyway, good point. Yeah. yeah. Now, all of that said, there is a fair amount. It, Disney really did roll out quite a bit for this year. Um, it, I mean, previous celebrations, we've talked about it on the show before, like the 40th was pretty underwhelming. Um, 25th, we had a we had a cake castle. I mean, that, <laughs> that was pretty impressive. That was real smooth. Went great. I enjoyed the cake castle. I, I have been on record saying that before i will say it again and i remember standing at walt disney world on the 25th and saying i want to see it on the 50th and i'm disappointed to say i haven't been there yet but, but i will it, you were weeks. you were the demo for it yeah like you were the target audience for that kind of thing true i was the right age it was great like wow i can't believe they changed the castle chris did you ever i mean I, i'm sure you've you saw the castle no you didn't it, it, I did. I did see the castle, man. I'm just sorry. I, I hated it. I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't hate. I, I don't hate much about Disney, but I just, I, I could not. Uh, I'm like, why would you do that to my castle? But I'm, I hate change. I hate, I, 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 I hate Disney change generally. Even when they, when they, when they, when they spruced up uh, the castle, you know, you know, coming into the fiftieth this time. Uh, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I, str- I struggled with it. So anytime there's a Walt Disney World change, my knee jerk is I hate it. Uh, a lot of times that goes away, but, uh, but with the birthday cake, it, it stuck <laughs> with me. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's fair. I mean, I know I'm in the minority. I just remember visiting and thinking, wow, that's, I, I was really impressed, but then I had probably only been like three or four times before that. So a little different circumstance. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this year, it, like you mentioned, they did a, a well for this anniversary, I should say, they did quite a a lot of. Uh, I mean, they added this large fiftieth um, medallion on the front of the castle, and they did a similar color scheme change uh, to what they did in Disneyland, which you know most people aren't super excited about the uh, the, the color changes, although they are much more vibrant, I suppose. Um. Uh, so let's talk about the uh, the 50 golden statues, a bunch of golden idols to our favorite Disney characters scattered around all four parks. Um, now, Eric, if this, there? if this was one of Chris's books, he would have listed all of them. Did you list all of them? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I could have. If I had a little more time, I probably would have. But most people don't enjoy us just listing names on on air reading different situation let's hope (laughs) let's hope so (laughs) (laughs) so so any thoughts i mean they look pretty they're they're cool looking statues um and i like the the aspect of walking around and trying to find all of them around the parks not that they're particularly hidden but uh, i think that's it's kind of a cool concept yeah chris i think this sounds like something that you would have done have you done this have you spent time searching for all of them I have only because I feel like for, you know, my backstory series for the Magic Kingdom is already out. But for the other parks, I feel like I have to list 
you know, what these statues are and where they are. And, and I'll say this, when I first heard the announcement, my, my, my knee jerk reaction was, ah, this, I'm not too excited about this, but when I got in the parks and I started, I thought they did a really nice job. Uh, you know, I, I thought they, they are really cool kind of, you know, picture opportunities and, and it's nice to kind of have some, some, some additional Disney character tributes throughout, uh, throughout the park. I don't know how long they will last. You know, I, I think I have a feeling that in, in a few years they'll they'll remove those out. But it is a it is a fun, fun, fun little ad, I think, to all the parks. Have you been documenting what you found and uh, do you have it listed somewhere for the studios? I do just because that's the one I'm I'm I'm, I'm closest. You know, I'm, I'm nearing the finish line on that one. Great. Oh, all right. All right. So um, next Next thing that I made note of, um, commemorative pressed coins. Um, some people are really into the pressed coins at Disney parks, and we have a whole slew of new pressed coin opportunities around, including at including at the, the resort hotels. So just tons of new designs all over the place. Um, Jimmy, do your, do your kids collect those at all? Chris, your your family you know, collect the coins at all? No, my kids don't don't collect them. But, uh, you know, if we're waiting for a bus, you know, sometimes I have to fire down to get one, you know, to just to, to appease the kids. But uh, that's that's but that's one area they never really got <laughs> obsessed with in terms of trying to collect uh, a lot of different kinds. OK, I know my nieces are super into it and I'm looking forward. We're going this uh, this summer and I'm sure they're going to be all over it. <laughs> um, so let's talk more about some of the the show aspects here. Uh, first up, the beacons of magic. They're they're practically, I mean, they're practically castle shows or night spectaculars. Each park has a new, a, a new sort of projection effect on their uh, on their their weenies, as it were. Um, so, Magic Kingdom, they've got this pixie dust pixie dust sparkle effect on Cinderella Castle. Epcot Spaceship Earth, I think, has gotten the most attention because these these things that originally people were saying looked like pop lights um, have been an amazing new addition, multiple colors. They've got a synchronized music show. Um, Hollywood studios, tower of terror, uh, the projection effects make it look like a, an actual hotel. Like it's not ruined for a short period of time, which is kind of, kind of a bizarre concept. And then um, the tree of life at animal kingdom has fireflies and other effects all over it. Jimmy, Chris, have you seen these so far? I, I haven't been yet, so I've just watched video, and they all look pretty pretty impressive. I haven't, uh, I, but yeah, Chris, how do you feel about the Epcot Spaceship Earth? It is absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, it's really, it's obviously gotten a, a huge positive reaction. It, it is kind of, it's, it's really hard to describe. I mean, it's one of those things where you have to be there and see it, but I think it's so well done and and so great that it's almost like an attraction or show experience. I mean, you if you're going to Epcot, you have to be there and, and see it. It is hmm. it is wonderful. The other uh, you know the other parks, I thought they were really well done and 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 really beautiful. But man, the Epcot for version for whatever reason on Spaceship Earth, uh, it's a must see. You guys have got to to get there and see that because it is it is really incredible. Yeah, that one I don't think is going away soon. But um, 
So, Chris, the other thing that Eric had mentioned were the weenies of the park, and you didn't flinch or bat an eye. So I assume you understand what that means and the origin of the word weenie. Oh, oh, absolutely, man. Come on. Yeah, you know, you know, you're, you know, I'm no, I'm no, I'm no rookie now. I, I, I know that one well. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to insult you, sir. I apologize. But I, I wanted to tell you that our, our show, um, we know that the castle is the weenie, and our first episode was the Cinderella Castle versus Sleeping Beauty Castle, and so we made T-shirts that's our weenie shirt. <laughs> And it's Cinderella Castle made out of weenies. Oh, man, I love it. <laughs> I'll send that, you one. <laughs> clear, clear, clearly, we are all going to be very good friends moving forward. I mean, that is fantastic. Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's inspired by a, another show on the network. They have a churro shirt that's Sleeping Beauty Castle made out of churros, and it says churros. And so I just stole their idea, did Cinderella Castle, and said weenies. But anyway, we'll send you one. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So uh, some more shows. Um, another edition that started uh, on October 1st, Harmonious. Possibly, possibly the most controversial, uh, replacing a very beloved show at, uh, at Epcot. And I don't mean Epcot forever. <laughs> of course, I mean Illuminations. <laughs> Um, I have not seen Harmonious yet. I haven't watched a video. I kind of want to see it myself. But from what I've heard, it's it's definitely a mixed bag. I I don't like that it's optimally viewed from one location mm-hmm. um, around the the lagoon, as opposed to everyone can enjoy it from any perspective. Um, thoughts on this one? I, and you guys have seen it. Well, before you answer, Chris, I have not seen it. Um, no, but the the new show at the Magic Kingdom and the new show at Epcot are they not the same? And what is your opinion? <laughs> well, let me say this: I'd mentioned this before. I really, I mean, all kidding aside, I really do have a difficult time with change when it comes to Walt Disney World, especially when we're talking about things that I really love and really enjoy. And and Illuminations was that. Uh, and even though we're, we're you know we're a couple of you know mm-hmm. we're a couple of shows down the road, um, it is it is a beautiful show. I will say that. But what people have said in terms of criticisms are, are absolutely true. Viewing location is extremely important. And if you're not in the right place, you're just not going to get the whole show experience where I felt like illuminations, you could be anywhere around the lagoon and, and really, really take it in. But the worst part, and again, this is, you know, I hate to sound like one of the, just the general Disney complainers, but man, these barges are just humongous. And, you know, in a way that I <laughs> yeah, describe sure. that you can't you can't really describe the, the Epcot beacons of magic without seeing it in a good way. You really can't describe just how off putting and ugly these barges are during the day. And it's just it just, you know, one of the most beautiful views in all of Walt Disney World, this 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 World Showcase Lagoon is just completely interrupted. Mm-hmm. And so. Uh, you know, as a show, I, you know, I think it's, I think it's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't blow me away like Illuminations did, but uh, you know, if, if, if you could get a good attraction or show experience instead of just being in maybe a couple of different places and you didn't have this visual obstruction that I just think really hurts the entire feel of World Showcase, 
you know, I, I might have a better a better thought on it. But this is one of the areas where I feel like the criticisms of the show are are accurate. And I really held off on on that because that was the knee jerk reaction until I got there. And I thought people are just blowing it out of proportion. It's not that big of a deal in terms of in terms of the barges. And I my jaw just kind of dropped when I saw them. I was like, I cannot believe mm-hmm. that Imagineers thought this was okay. And in my opinion, to justify that type of, of visual problem during the day, the show's got to be the best show that Walt Disney World has ever put on yeah. to justify that. And it's not that. It, it is certainly not that. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Yeah, I remember seeing we we visited while they were still in prep for Harmonious. And I remember taking the Skyliner around from Riviera and seeing the barges before they were installed, just the gigantic construction where they were assembling them in the back, the back lot of Epcot and going, what, what, how is that going to work? Because I assumed for the longest time, like, well, it'll be like illuminations where they just collapse down and they can float them out at the end of the night and you don't see them all day. And they, they come out and there's a little bit of excitement and anticipation as they set up this big thing, like, Oh, Wow. The Illuminations Globe, it's so cool to see it rolling out. I thought it was going to be the same with these barges for Harmonious, right. and too. it's not. Nope. Um, I, I tried to convince myself that uh, that it was really a stargate through which Horizons and Kitchen Cabaret were going to come back <laughs> through. Unfortunately, that is not the case. <laughs> veggie, oh. veggie, fruit, fruit. Veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit. Oh, Yeah. Jimmy, who was it that, that said they didn't like? Uh, there was a there's a there's a team chat for the concierge people, Chris. That's the the company that we kind of work for for vacation planning, and uh, the Disneyland hold music for the longest time. It's like a seven minute loop, like it repeats the same thing over and over again. It's still advertising for the void at Downtown Disney <laughs> in 2022. Um, but anyway, Veggie Veggie Fruit Fruit is in the medley, and this person's like, what is this song? Why is it awful? And we're like, what are you talking about? It's the greatest. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, they're missing out for sure. Anyway, go ahead. All right. <laughs> next next controversial show that I haven't seen, um, Kite Tales at Animal Kingdom. Seems like an interesting concept uh, from the videos and a lot of the commentary that it wasn't received super well, but I haven't heard a lot about it since. I. It's not like Harmonious where people keep talking about it. So I wonder if it's sort of if opinions have changed a little bit now that it's out there and people are OK with it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I am very positive when it comes to Walt Disney World. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm being very negative, you know, and, and, and kind of talking about some of these things. But but cocktails, I mean, I think the fact of the matter is, you know, Disney had all these big plans for the 50th anniversary and obviously covid and a lot of things you know impacted what those plans were because you know i'm convinced that i know from from talking to people there on the ground that before covid like they massive things were happening um you know some of the attractions that we'll get maybe later this year and then the next year were supposed to be ready for the 50th and they were really going all in and when 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 the covid impact hit for a lot of reasons you know those things got pushed back a lot of things got scrapped and I think cocktails was just one of those, hey, let's let's do our best to get something out there for Animal Kingdom. Uh, now, having said that, 
I think it's kind of fun. You know, it's, it's definitely not something that I would, I would, you know, mm-hmm. you know, spend a lot of time waiting for, but, uh, but, but it, it, I think it's a fun experience. You, I'm sure you guys have seen the videos of some of the kind of the, the crash landings of some of these, uh, some of these, some of these, you know, some of these kites. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but I think it's pretty fun. It's just not, you know, it's not a home run. And I think we've been spoiled, um, you know, by, by Disney and, and listen, and by Universal uh, based on what they've done the last few years is we expect as fans home runs. And when our expectation, every time our expectation yeah. doesn't, doesn't get met whether it's right or wrong that we had that expectation in the first place you know you you get a bit of a negative reaction but but i think it's fine it's just not um you know it's just uh, you know not to that home run standard that i think that disney fans hope and expect uh when when new experiences come out yeah it to be honest with you if I think it's unfair to do a comparison episode between the two because if not for COVID, I think Disney World nails the 50th a lot further out of the park than Disneyland did. It, they had very grandiose plans. And yeah, if all the rides had come out and if all of the shows had come out the same way that they were talking about it, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Now, I will say this. Uh, I was disappointed with the experience of October the 1st in the magic kingdom, which is the park I went to on the 50th mm. anniversary. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you why. Uh, so th- I was staying at the grand Floridian and had a, had a, had a, had a park view, which was great. And so I'm sitting on my balcony the night before, right. So I'm getting ready and the park is closed. They're having a private event and it turns out, you know, they're having the executives and, you know, and it's a media event, uh, where they're celebrating the 50th, you know, that night and doing recordings and I can tell from my balcony, man, they are going all out. Huge shows, concerts. I mean, just tons of effort put into that. So I'm thinking, man, you know, the first when when the general public gets in there, you know, average Joe's like me, there's no telling what they're going to have. And so, you know, I, I get up super early in the morning, have a little bit of a freak out because I think I'm really early uh, and I already hear the barge horn going off and I look outside and turn on the television and Main Street's already packed. So, I, you know, I, I jump down, race over, get there, spend two hours on Main Street waiting for the park to open, expecting that there's going to be a massive opening show. Right. There's going to be like this this major big deal. Right. Um, and to that point, they had not brought the opening show back. So I will admit that having an opening show to begin with, it, you know, that, that's, that's, that's a solid move, but nothing was mentioned about the 50th. Literally they're having an opening show really? in the magic kingdom. Wow. They did not even mention, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Uh, now, and so we, they just kind of did a two minute hmm. welcome and you had characters and then everybody kind of went about their, their day. They did do some cool stuff. I love the, the commemorative park maps they gave out on October the 1st. Love the commemorative poster they gave out on, on the 1st. That was really solid. Love that stuff and, and, and held on to it. Uh, but I was just hoping, I just wish I, what it looks like the celebration they did for the media the night before when the park was closed to the general public, I wish they would have brought some of that energy to the average mm-hmm. fan, the average yeah. ticket yeah. You know, think buyer so. uh, to see. But uh yeah, it was it was a it was a little disappointing. But hmm. let me just tell you, being in the being in the Magic Kingdom on the fiftieth was amazing, right? Literally, they could have done nothing, and I would have been happy, and I was, and I ate Dole whips, and I yeah. rode my favorite rides, and I did all there the stuff go. that I felt like I needed to do on the fiftieth. But <laughs> I wanted a little more. Yeah, 
That makes a lot of sense. And I don't yeah. know if you could even blame COVID for that, but you never know. Anyway, Eric, so uh, you've got, um, I've got a list of every commemorative item, every piece of merch that came out for the whole you know year of the 50th. I don't think I want to go into a bunch of detail and I know you have more to say, um, but one of the things that came out on, it was May the 5th um, of 2005 and you could get, if you were in the park, you could get a commemorative edition of the um, musical history of Disneyland, a six CD box set that features moments in Disneyland history, as well as reminiscent music from attractions, parades, lands, and icons of yesteryear and today. I got one. I'm showing it. Does, it, it does seem like you got one. Yeah, I do have one. <laughs> that was, that was a cool, this is a, that's a treasure in my collection. Well, uh, yet there quite a, quite a lot of merch for the 50th at Walt Disney World, including uh, this uh, golden e-ticket nice. <laughs> that my boss got for me, oh, wow. uh, which is it is super cool. Um, yeah, uh, obviously, the, the, cool. the listener cannot cannot see this. The listener is this, a golden but... ticket, not unlike Willy Wonka's chocolate factory <laughs> in a brown box with blue velvet padding. It, it is a wooden box, not just brown. It is oh, wood. It, yes. It's actual it, wood. It is actual wood. <laughs> it's wood, <laughs> wood themed wood. Wood themed, yes. Um, but yeah, quite a, quite a lot of other merch, including um, including various uh, Mickey and Minnie ears that can go up to a thousand dollars for a pair. Um, it, I mean, there's a. I think there's a wide variety of, of merch and I think both, both parks probably did it pretty well. I, there's yeah. even, there's even some that you can get online on shop Disney now, which is kind of nice for those who either want to get it in advance of their trip or just aren't able to uh, experience it themselves. Yeah. And one thing that I think that Disney world is doing better than what Disneyland did, or at least that I could find is the number and level of food options. Like, it's insane. And Chris, can you speak to your experience with food in the 50th? And it seems like every day there's a new, new thing. Yeah, I think they, that's a great point because they really did go all out on, on the food offerings. And so just on October the 1st, I kind of consumed as many of those as I possibly could cupcakes. And <laughs> my favorite was the, was the Mr. Toad burger that, you know, had the, you know, oh. the eyes and, you know, it was with the eyes. It, right. it, was, yeah, it yeah. was okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it was okay from a taste standpoint, but man, the selfies I took with that thing, like I will, you know, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be enjoying those for a long time, but I feel like they, you know, again, <laughs> I think that, you know, I, I think they did things like that. They made an effort, right? They, 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 they couldn't do what they wanted to do originally, but I appreciate that type of effort when it comes to, to, to the snacks and, and, and special theming for, for the 50th. Uh, and as a matter of fact, on October the 1st, you know, I'm sure you saw the stories. I mean, the biggest lines were for, you know, popcorn buckets. And then, you know, those right. were nuts. Six but hour even, lines even, for figment. Yes. And just, and just lines for, for those, those commemorative snack items as well. You could ride as many attractions as you wanted to, which is what I did. But, uh, but they did, they did bring their A game when it came to the, to the 50th uh, food options. Right. Well, yeah. Who wouldn't want um, Uncle Orville's great big beautiful tomorrow Sunday? That's right. In a bathtub. <laughs> in yeah. A bathtub. That looks so cool. I, 
I can't believe I forgot to mention that, dude. I had that, and it was it was fantastic. And I wish I had the tub uh, in here with me, but it was it was. I mean, that was super cool, and I, I want that to stick around for forever. That is just awesome. Yeah, and similarly, I, I love all of the connections they've been making to Walt specifically. Like Walt's hash, uh, Walt's you know hash at Walt's at chili breakfast and Walt's chili. Like it's it's nice that they're bringing some of that in, even though I mean Walt was uh, Walt had you know some somewhat uh, less extravagant tastes when it came <laughs> to food. Hence the weenie, <laughs> right? But uh, but yeah, it's nice that we're making that connection, and I think that sort of thing is going to stick around for a long time. Right. So, um, Eric, do you, so that basically effectively, I think we've, we've sort of covered the topic from a Disneyland perspective. I could go into a lot more detail, but do you have anything else you want to kind of highlight from Disney world's 50th? I, I would like to highlight, I, okay. We, we don't necessarily have to talk all that much about Disney enchantment, the castle show at Magic Kingdom. It's, it's the same show as what's at Epcot. So it's, it's kind of, yeah, but it's, it's another projection show. I'm sure it's, it's great. And they have a lot of different, um, dessert parties to watch it. I, I like that they have more of those experiences at Tomorrowland Terrace before and after the show from the contemporary where you can watch it from California grill. All of these things are, all those parties are, are pretty, pretty fun. I, I always enjoy those. Um, I just want to do a special shout out to the electrical water pageant. Oh yeah. Which uh, debuted on the park's dedication day on October 25th in 1971 um we'll get a because I, I really love this show i'll just get into some some detail here bob janney uh designed or came up with the idea for the show he was vp of disney live entertainment at the time and he was really entranced by the the darkness of of uh the florida skies as opposed to um la where you've got all these lights around so he came up with this concept of building boats with uh chicken wire and christmas lights strung on them um <laughs> and this was the first use of baroque hoedown before uh before the uh, before the parade at Disneyland that's that, right that everybody knows and talks about this um, inspired the main street electrical parade right exactly and uh, it's it's great that it has stuck around for so long. Obviously, they've upgraded the boats. They've added some new some new um, properties to uh, to the show, including um, well, Pete's Dragon, Little Mermaid, Peter Pan. Uh, bizarrely, uh, we still have Walk the Dinosaur in there. By um, was not was. <laughs> um, fun fact: I lost a I, I lost in a trivia um, contest by uh, not knowing that was not was, was the uh, band that created uh, walk the dinosaur. I thought it was somebody else and I can't remember who I guessed, but Oh, well, um, <laughs> it, but it, it still plays along the seven seas lagoon with multiple showings um, actually showing up in the app now, which is kind of nice um, to, nice. to get a little bit more of a, a scheduled approach to it. Um, I've seen it from, uh, from trader Sam's at the Polynesian. I've seen it along the, I've seen it at grand, uh, Grand Floridian um, Wilderness Lodge is great. It's bizarre to watch it from the California Grill as well because you're looking down from above and you see just how kind of small it is. But rudimentary, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just such a great thing, and I'm I'm so happy that they brought it. They keep bringing it back, and it's it's never it's never glowed away forever. They just <laughs> keep it around and uh, continues to um, delight at least me. I assume plenty of other 
guests. Not, not like the Main Street Electrical Parade where it glowed away forever and then they sold all the light bulbs and then like a couple weeks later it's at Disneyland Paris. Right. <laughs> Ship it overseas. That's right. Um, yeah. So uh, anything else you want to highlight? Uh, not particularly. We had, we've kind of talked about the rides. There were supposed like Guardians of the Galaxy was supposed to be out. Tron was supposed yeah. to be out. We did get Remy's, which is nice. That new yeah. France area is really, really nice. Um, and we've got an extra restaurant in there and, uh, yeah, the crepery. Yeah. Hey, so, so Chris, the, um, the, the, it's, it's kind of sad. I mean, having this conversation would have been a lot more fun. Obviously, if we we're together, that'd be more fun. Um, but also, um, there's so many things that could have been that we just we don't want to spend a lot of time on because it's depressing. Uh, but I think overall, Disney World probably did it better. Um, and I wanted to get your take on um, the the 50th anniversary in general and and when Tron is going to open and what's the over under. Man, I, I really wish I knew the answer to that. I mean, I'll, so for, for the 50th, uh, you know, you can't help but feel um, a little bit of disappointment uh, based on what it could have been, uh, you know, understanding, you know, why, you know, why things didn't, you know, we didn't get all the the, the big impact, uh, you know, attractions and things that we thought we were going to get. Um, but it was just, you know, people had been pointing towards the 50th or Walt Disney World for forever, uh, including me. Yeah. And, you know, just mm-hmm. making sure I can get down there. Yeah. And, and I think I, I mentioned this before, I think a lot of it just, again, goes into expectations, right? And, and when you set your expectation level so high, rightly or wrongly, and something doesn't meet it, you feel, you feel a little, a little disappointed. Uh, now, I, I kind of lived my best life the day I was there to celebrate it. And obviously the celebrations have been going on for, for, for a while now. Um, but, uh, you know, we got some good stuff. They, 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 they made it as fun as they could with, without the big spend on, on some items. Um, but, uh, but, you know, guardians and Tron, uh, you know, I keep here, I keep getting different messages from the people I talk to. And I think a lot of it comes down to, financial results as we get into the second third quarters of this year and um it would not surprise me if tron is a next year open um and and you know and who knows when into next year uh, that could be but mm-hmm. um you know i think I'm, guardians I'm, I'm, i want to see both of them yep i think guardians is this summer right they've already announced that they're already hiring people um obviously the cast is together for the filming the third movie i think that stuff's done um i predict tron october 1st it's next fiscal year but it's still in the 50th well it is 18 months long this 50th anniversary so uh, i think they could deliver by then i hope i'm wrong but i would take the over on that um I think okay. it'll be, you know, I, I think it'll be if it's if it's this calendar year, I think it'll be closer to uh, to the holidays. But I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, all right, cool. Well, uh, I think that sort of sums it up and we'll just respect your time and, and let you go. We've got a couple other things to talk about. Um, like, for example, we have other shows on our network like Ears Up which is about Disneyland. It's a uh, Chris. I joke. It's a, it's a, a podcast about Disneyland hosted by people who hate <laughs> Disneyland. Um, and then there's ears up in depth, which is about Disney news. And then there's uh Bantha 
Beskar and Bantha Milk, Banter Beskar and Bantha Milk. It's a Star Wars podcast. Of course, the Supreme Resort, which you're listening to now, the best of all. And uh, second best is Scraping the Vault, which is a podcast about straight-to-video Disney sequels, where we just finished our Dealer's Choice trilogy of movies. We did uh, the Rankin-Bass, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in December. We did Mulholland Drive by David Lynch in January, and we just recorded... Encanto for February. So we do a deep dive analysis of all these movies. Mostly, usually, Chris, it started with, you know, the the second Aladdin and then goes in release order of all the straight to video sequels, which are awful. But we have deep dive (laughs) breakdowns of those. Um, also we have, we work with concierge. Like we'd mentioned, concierge is a Disney vacation planner service. It, they do everything for you. I just vacation planned yes last night for somebody going to Disneyland. We booked the vacation package. I will help them with their dining reservations. We did their theme park dining. We worked with different options of should it be an on Disney property resort, et cetera. We kind of weighed all of their different family challenges and we landed at a hotel that was reasonably priced. We ended up getting it for less than she could have gotten it on her own. So uh, that's concierge. You can reach us at 856-HOUR-EARS. Um, and then, you know, rate and review us. I think we do a good show. And if you like Chris's books, you should like this podcast and vice versa. Um, and yeah, you can contact us. I'm Jimmy at earsup-podcast.com. That's Eric at earsup-podcast.com or E. Johnson at concierge.com. And then Chris All Smith. The, yeah. Chris Smith is at Gmail, yeah? That's correct. ChrisSmithBooks at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Chris. It was just an absolute joy talking to you. Um, I I really, sincerely, and you can tell me this, no off ca- off camera, but um, really want to <laughs> connect with you outside of this podcast. And uh, inevitably, we're going to be at the parks at the same time. So I'd love to get together and like try to out-nerd each other. That'd be really fun. <laughs> hey, man, absolutely. We will. There's no doubt we will make that happen. And I just want to say thank you guys for, for, for doing what you do, right? I, I think a lot of people don't realize how much time and effort and preparation and work it takes to, to, to put out content like you guys put out content and uh, you know, you know, and as a Disney fan, being able to hear what you do and, and add some Disney joy to my life each day when I hear those, man, I really appreciate it. And I know there's a lot of other people out there that appreciate it and love talking to you today. And there's no doubt we, you know, a, a friendship has been struck and, and, and we will, we will be in Agreed. communication regularly from here on out. Agreed. And I noticed on your website, you've been on a lot of podcasts. So I've got two, a, a, a question and a follow-up question. What is the best Disney theme park podcast and why is it the Supreme Resort? Well, there's no <laughs> doubt it's, it's this one, right? I mean, clearly, you know, when you, you know, I, I will honestly say this, you know, rarely do I get on podcasts with people who are truly as obsessed about Disney details and secrets and things like that, the way that you guys are. I mean, even when we were prepping before the show started, just references that all of us got that, you know, that if I drop that even mm-hmm. with in conversation with normal Disney fans, they don't get. Uh, so, you, you know, y'all, y'all are definitely my kind of people and, uh, and, and, and yep. I'm a fan. I love it. Well, we are each other's people. Thank you again for your time. ChrisSmithBooks at gmail.com. And uh, in the meantime, be good to each other and we'll see you next time.
forgot to mention that uh, one of the actual anniversary Disneyland Resort um, items was Sleeping Beauty Doll by Marie Osmond. By Marie Osmond? <laughs> yeah. It was the first of three <laughs> series of princess dolls. Anyway, huh. I could go on. I'm not going to. 